Welcome to Unlocking Impact. I'm your host, Sarah Schoenfeld, CEO of the Trade Impact Foundation. In this podcast, we explore issues at the intersection of the global economy, sustainability, and human rights. In today's episode, I speak to Colo Fellow Kugler about artificial intelligence and how both governments and companies need to consider the ethics implications in dealing with and regulating AI. Colo explains who has access to our information, how is it being used, and the ways that government and private entities are regulating this area today. We also cover who controls the information we're seeing on a daily basis, the power behind that control and how our access to information really varies around the world. We discuss Russia, China, and also get into other regions such as Africa and Europe. Colo is an international trade lawyer and a PhD fellow at the University of Lucerne, Switzerland. She is currently on sabbatical leave from the Advisory Center on WTO Law, that is World Trade Organization Law, where she provided legal advice on international trade law issues, represented member countries in World Trade Organization disputes, and conducted trainings on various WTO law topics. Kolo holds a bachelor's degree in economics and international politics and a master's degree in international law and economics. Kolo, thank you for coming on Unlocking Impact and joining us today. Thank you so much for the invitation, Sarah. It's really a pleasure for me to join you today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with you. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Mm-hmm. So my name is Kolofelo Kugler. I'm originally from South Africa and I grew up there and spent the first, I would say, 16 years of my life. And then spent the next four, a bit and a half in the northern Midwest, so in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Finished high school and attended university there. And then the rest of my university was spent in South Africa. And I did a master's in Switzerland in trade. And this is where my trade career started, basically. So I then um, started working where I am currently from on sabbatical. So I'll go back to that at the Advisory Center on WTO Law, which is basically, in the simplest terms, I guess a law clinic for for developing countries to assist them with litigation, with advice, and also with training on WTO Law. Right now, I'm currently doing my PhD at the University of Lucerne in Switzerland, and I'm on sabbatical from the ACWL. I'll be doing my PhD for three years. Wow. So you've been all around the world and you've (laughs) learned and worked all around the world. But that'll be really interesting to get your thoughts today about our topic, which is some of the research you're doing today on AI, artificial intelligence, and the regulation of AI in international trade law. So can we start by just explaining in the most basic terms, what is artificial intelligence? Mm -hmm. I mean, really, really in the most basic terms is basically using machines and making them smart so that they can copy or replicate human thinking patterns and the way the brain works. And so just to give you an idea, there's different types of artificial intelligence, like your Alexa and your Siri, of course. Of course. You have self-driving cars. Even your email spam filter, because it works on algorithms, and also your Netflix recommendation also works on algorithms. 
So actually our whole world is surrounded by um, artificial intelligence. Of course, the ads that are recommended to you on Facebook, et cetera. So it's very rare that you can go a day without actually experiencing and maybe even benefiting from artificial intelligence. Yeah. And a lot of the versions that you just talked about of AI, you know, they're really influential in not only what we do, but what we think um, Mm -hmm. and how we see the Mm -hmm. world. Because something that fascinates me and troubles me is that me sitting in New York, my experience going on, you know, different social media, different websites Mm -hmm. is likely different than yours sitting in Europe and going on, right? Exactly. And, you know, you actually picked the very perfect example because of the way data is regulated where you live could affect the way that you experience AI. So, for example, in Europe, the GDPR has a very big uh, you know, influence on how I experience artificial intelligence. Yeah, um, can you explain what is the GDPR? Oh, gosh. Am I going to remember the, the general data protection regulation? There you go. The general data uh, protection regulation of the uh, European economic area. So it's not just the European Union, but also uh, Switzerland, which is part of the European economic area. And basically, it's a law that dictates how privacy and data is processed and, re- and, and used by you know data users um, all over the world. And so, for example, when I log into my Facebook account at the beginning, when this GDPR came into uh, into force, um, I think it was in 2018, I had to basically go through a series of questions, making sure that I consent to certain things that you may not have to, making sure that, you know, for example, the data can only be you know stored for a certain amount of period before it has to be deleted. And so my experience of Facebook or any type of social media, because of this regulation changes a lot and the way that my data can be used and stored also changes and is affected by this so um there are certain you know types of probably ads that i can opt out of or that i don't i must not be shown because of privacy concerns that you would not have to you know opt out or opt in of you know there's a lot of opting and opt, opting out of you know certain things uh people contacting you storing your contact details uh, being on subscriber lists, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a much more comprehensive means of regulating data, whereas if in jurisdictions like the United States, it's a little bit more lax, although there are some jurisdictions like California that are adopting more and more you know, stricter privacy laws, especially online. Where I get a little bit stuck in terms of the privacy side and, and all those ads, you know, mm-hmm. is is the level of detail that's being kept on, you know, Sarah Schoenfeld. Like, is it, you know, I'm, you know, kind of bulked in with a whole bunch of users and I'm being tracked that way? Or is it me and somebody can actually pull up my information and and misuse it? Yeah. So, I mean, that's just really, as I said, it's almost jurisdiction dependent. And a lot of, of course, uh, a lot of data is anonymized, so others uh, you cannot really um, find the user. But some data is very specific to you, and it can be linked to your name. And that's just the means of how where where you live is data is regulated. If there's very strict regulations on data, then chances of you you know your name coming up or your identifiable identifying characteristics or information coming up is is very low. But if there's very low regulation on how data is processed and managed, for example, in some African countries, 
then it becomes quite scary as to your name can be linked with certain things. And for example, from a human rights perspective, especially in Africa, gender is something that can be an issue, especially in in jurisdictions where same-sex marriages and, you know, even whether if you are a trans person, whether you've, you know, transitioned or not, if that, you know, information is not well guarded, it can be, you know, linked back to you. And in some countries, it's actually, you know, uh, illegal, unlawful to have same-sex marriages or to transition or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, it just unfortunately at this stage, we don't really have worldwide data regulations. It's very much, of course, jurisdiction. Yeah. Yeah. And and so to those examples where, you know, you have private information that is specific to an individual and like, you know, to your point about some African countries or Middle Eastern countries or other countries where mm-hmm. it may be a dangerous fact. Like, yeah. It, to gender, for example, and that yeah. may, be, may be a reason why an individual would like to keep that fact private for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have this issue. And I think mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about what regulators can do. And we see in Europe and, and in California mm-hmm. and other jurisdictions, mm-hmm. there's regulations. But what about companies? What is the company yeah. role? You know, how do yeah. companies react to this when they have to deal mm-hmm. with global you know, differences among regulations and mm-hmm. lack of regulations? You know, in this space, and I think in a lot of, I mean, we've seen Facebook, you know, in front of uh, Congress, you know, testifying and all that. And a lot of this has been self regulation by the industry. And self regulation is very very loose because it could also infer no regulation by the industry because, you know, there is no incentive for them to be to self-regulate, you know, because data is the new gold. But companies have been forced by public opinion or otherwise to to, to kind of check themselves because regulators are too slow to react and everything is, is, is developed, the regulation is developed ex post. And so specifically in, in for example, in the, in the realm of artificial intelligence, we see companies like Google, and Microsoft sort of creating their own, what they call principles, you know, principles of fairness, reliability and safety, privacy and security, inclusiveness, transparency, accountability, that type of stuff. So then kind of making a pledge to say, we will make sure that we conduct ourselves in, in a way that does not violate social norms or laws, but then the regulation comes after the fact. And so it's, it's an interesting field where we see companies actually leading <laughs> in regulation as opposed to necessarily the regulators themselves because everything is just developing so quickly. So quickly. And, and it's so complex. So mm. those big giant companies, and there aren't that many of them, right? There's a, yeah. there's a number of limited com- companies that are key. Mm. And we're even seeing, I see ads sometimes put out by these companies saying, we support regulation in different fields because to some extent it's like, well, if we're going to regulate ourselves and the bad actors won't regulate themselves, that's a disadvantage, Mm -hmm. you know, competitively. Mm -hmm. So we'd rather there be regulation so that we can all be on the same Exactly. And also that creates legal certainty for the companies because they are then subsequently fined for something that was not really regulated. And it's, yeah, it causes, I mean, the Schrems legislation with Microsoft, this privacy. 
and you see lots and lots of litigation that you know these companies are facing but sometimes it's not fair because these companies weren't actually you know violating any laws but of course when you sort of interpret the behavior broadly in sort of loose terms for example in terms of privacy there could be you know violations that are found exposed and so i think a lot of companies also would welcome a, a you know sort of clear you know rules and boundaries so that they know what they can do and what they cannot so they're not dealing with with legislation and sort of risk i guess after the fact let's let's shift a little bit to the role of AI when we're talking about access to data. So when we talk about, um, we talked about this a, lo- a little bit already, really, when we t- look at, you know, the news, right, and the information that you're receiving. So unfortunately, there's this tragedy going on right now, right, in Ukraine. And so we've seen a lot of reports saying that in Russia, the government is controlling the narrative on the war and saying, well, we're going in against this Nazi re- regime, and we've seen kind of similar propaganda-esque tactics in regards to the Chinese government when looking at human rights violations and saying, well, this is really, a, we're really working to get the terrorists out, you know, root out the terrorists. And so we see the power of a, you know, we're in a country where there is not a, you know, strong rule of law and regulation in this area that we're able to see the government is coming in and, and able to push forward propaganda and specific narratives in, at this alarming rate because of the control of access to information. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's scary. It's scary because we think of it as so innocuous and so sort of neutral. But, you know, those that control access to information control basically our lives, right? Because they control what we hear, what we believe, what we think is true, what we don't think is true. This is one of the, you know, sort of the key aspects of, of course, also of artificial intelligence in that, you know, these algorithms or whatever can be influenced or can, you know, you can see certain information or disinformation on your normal scrolling and Instagram because, you know, certain governments and this, you know, of course in China, of course in Russia, but also in Africa, you know, certain governments control how we can access or not access information online. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's really difficult. And, and that's sort of the danger, sort of the, the dark side of AI where things are kind of can get out of hand. And, but, you know, the way things are so decentralized, it would have to be an individual country responsibility, you know, that countries have to kind of regulate themselves and make sure that what they do in in their countries, you know, is, you know, they uphold the rule of law because it not only affects what happens in the country, as we know, it affects what happens outside of the country. Yeah. And so... There is no one sort of artificial intelligence uh, related uh, treaty or agreement. But what is going on right now is that the WTO, some members are are, are, are negotiating a joint statement initiative on e-commerce, which 
uh, I guess, sort of also de facto, relies on data and artificial intelligence in many ways. So as of yet, there is no one multilateral sort of all-encompassing agreement. But what I see is coming out, not necessarily on the trade level, but in a sort of a, at the EU level, is this draft act on artificial intelligence from the EU. And what's coming out from the EU side is that they're trying to standardize. I think you mentioned that standardize how artificial intelligence works. And maybe you can sort of think about this from the technical barriers, the TBT, technical barriers of trade perspective, where there's standards and technical regulations and conformity assessment procedures. So, you know, various sort of technical, if you wish, yeah. um, standards. Yeah, we're we're going to technical, but, <laughs> but I exactly. think yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're correct. So, so that's a really great point that in the EU, they're really looking to have these harmonized standards among EU countries. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Intelligence and exactly. how you deal with that. And what are the limitations? Exactly. What are our expectations? Um, exactly. But the effects of that as the GDPR, we've seen it as that there's going to be an export of EU law vis-a-vis trade partners, right? Because the EU is a very strong jurisdiction and especially when the trading partner might not be as strong, they might, you know, sort of forced to be the rule taker. And so yeah, in can, the- can you explain that a little bit, how we, because I, I like that concept of how mm-hmm. the EU, you know, sets a standard and then they're able to export that standard. How do they do that? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's um, this GDPR, I think, is, is, is a great example because the EU, the GDPR is a domestic EU regulation if within EU countries. But any company or any entity that trades with the EU or has EU-based customers has to comply with the GDPR, with the privacy regulations. And so by doing that, the AU actually exports its regulation into companies in other countries. And of course, companies trade and not always governments, right? And so that's how EU law, EU regulations become exported into other countries. And for example, if this draft artificial intelligence act comes into force and they you know, adopt these standard types of provisions, companies trading with the AU would have to make sure that the artificial intelligence you know, is harmonized and it, and it sort of conforms with the AU's standards and regulations. I want to just go back real quick to something you said about Africa. We didn't really talk too much about it. You had mentioned that there are certain countries in Africa where access to data is really closely controlled by the government. I know. I think there was an example in Nigeria. Where, exactly, with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just explain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's not only Nigeria, but I think uh, Nigeria is, the, is, one, is well, one of the biggest countries in Africa and the biggest economy in Africa. And the government decided to shut off Twitter. The actual reason was because it was trying to get Twitter to establish in Nigeria. But in being able to control the internet or companies in that way, it could be for business reasons, but it could also be uh, controlling information and access to information and surveillance, Mm -hmm. um, you know, on, on local populations, which of course can be dangerous. But we see many times, and I think more recently in Cameroon, when there was election, there was a shutdown of the internet. People couldn't communicate with each other. People couldn't WhatsApp each other. The entire um, internet? Well, certain social media sites like WhatsApp, for mm-hmm. example. The same thing happened in, in Zimbabwe when they had the elections a few years ago. Really? 
Yeah, and so it's it's become a strategic tools for for some. I mean, and and you know, the famous examples, of course, China and Russia. But of course, China and Russia are not the only countries mm-hmm. that are able to control access to either you know the whole internet, access to information in general, or to how people you know communicate with each other. So. What do you think is the best approach to facilitate ethical use of data control, access to information, and the use of artificial intelligence? What do you think is our best our best uh, bet in order to facilitate ethical operations around the world? To be honest with you, I think this has to be a con- ongoing conversation between users, the companies, and regulators. There's, I know there's some tech companies that have started great initiatives where they are in constant conversation with users, in constant conversation with experts, and constant conversation with governments as to what they're doing, what the issues are, what the risks are, and what is it that the government you know, wants to achieve in a way that still allows them to make profit. And so especially with artificial intelligence, we don't know where these things are going. I mean, the the end goal is to create sort of these self-thinking, you know, machines that create, that, yeah, do things that that are beyond our own intelligence. Do you understand? And so I think we need to understand where that is going so that we know how to regulate it so that we don't, you know, they don't turn against us, just to sort of put it very mildly. <laughs> and so it's, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing, very quickly developing area. And I think there's a lot of unknowns, but I believe, and not only saying because I am a lawyer, but I do believe it's part of law that needs close regulation. Yeah, we're going to wrap up with a little mm-hmm. bit of a different question. Outside of your day-to-day and the research <laughs> you're doing and everything, what is something that you are personally or in your professional life working on, learning or further developing today? <laughs> That's very interesting. I mean, so it's, mm, I'm sorry, it's going to be, it's going to be related to, to, to data because. That's okay. Is that okay? <laughs> So right now, actually, through my research, and, and, and I, I think I told you that I am South African, and so I have you know special, special sort of affinity and love for for where I come from. And but as as a researcher, it's so difficult to get any type of information uh, about various things about Africa online. And so we are trying to start a project where we are collecting legislations, regulation in Africa on 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 cross-border trade restrictions and for 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 somebody like me it, it can it changes my life <laughs> it changes my life to be able to go to a website and to click on guinea and to have you know the regulation xyz that has data you know restrictions or not and so i guess a passion of mine is being able to facilitate that type of access to information about African jurisdictions that you don't necessarily have right now. Kolo, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really great talking about these topics with you. Thanks so much. It's been, it's, it's been really interesting. And I mean, I'm very early in my, in my PhD. So hopefully, you know, I can produce something that is interesting and 
with reading. So. Well, I'd love to have you back on once you have your research. Yes, yes I would love that. I would love to do a follow up uh, and maybe I'll, you know, come back and say this is all like smokes and mirrors. <laughs> it's just right. focus, focus. Well, thank you so much and have thank a great you. day. Thanks so much, Sarah. It was a pleasure speaking with Colo and hearing about her research and her thoughts on artificial intelligence. I especially was interested in hearing the different ways that countries and regions can regulate and promote ethical use of artificial intelligence. I also really enjoyed our discussion on the control that various governments around the world can exert to limit and to influence the information that's available to local populations. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. And if you have a moment to rate and review the show, we really do appreciate that. And hopefully you can join us next time on Unlocking Impact.